Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Today, though, I'm sticking pretty much with the breastfeeding thing, but I'm specifically talking about travel. Now, I'm going to make the assumption that, first of all, many of you haven't traveled any further than maybe your uh, mailbox or so. But as the holiday times come, you might not be traveling as much or as far, or you might not be going on an airplane or whatever it is. But I think probably everybody is going to do at least a little bit of traveling. So I'm going to talk about traveling in the context of traveling with your breastfed baby. I want to start by telling you what an old friend of mine said years ago. She said that I needed to have more clarity about my travel plans. And she asked, are you planning a visit, a trip, or a vacation? And I said, "Um, well, they're all pretty much the same thing, right? No, she said. A trip, stay with me here, she's got a point. A trip is generally something that is obligatory and often, although not always, related to business. But it could be a trip like uh, uh, going to a wedding or a funeral, something along those lines. But the key feature of a trip is that it will have a rigid or a fairly uh, time-sensitive timetable for arrival and departure. Plenty of structure and most likely some expectations about what you will or will not get done during that trip. A visit is to your friends or family. (laughs) Now you know where I'm going to go with this. The whole interpersonal dynamic is front and center when you are visiting your family and maybe to a lesser degree your friends. And then finally, she says a vacation means that pretty much you're in charge of what you do, when you do it, and with whom. And she was quick to say that visiting your family rarely, if ever, qualifies as a vacation. Honestly, it was years ago she said this. I still remember. I would warn that a vacation to a heavily populated place is actually different from a vacation to a remote area because those the implication for that is different when you're traveling with an infant or children. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying that you can't combine a trip, a visit, or a vacation. As a matter of fact, I'm going on a business trip in March. I'm offering my comprehensive lactation course, my standard 90-hour course that preps people to take the IBLCE exam. 
I'm offering that March 8th in Orlando, Florida. So what's going to happen? I'm going to spend that week teaching. That's a business trip, right? And thereafter, hubby and I are going to spend a little time just kicking back and having a little vacation. Not much, but a little. So I posit to you that a trip a visit and a vacation often have very different implications for traveling with your baby. And by the way, yes, if you're wondering, Marie, seriously, is, is a mother going to travel on a, on a business trip with her baby? And the answer is yes. I've even had them on this podcast. The answer is yes. So anyway, in all of these cases, trip, visit, vacation, Here are some broad, overarching questions to ask yourself because there are some different implications for how you're going to plan that travel. First of all, where are you going? Now, if you're going to a heavily populated area, if you forget something, oh well. You've probably got Wi-Fi and you can order it from Amazon or whatever it is you forgot to pack, you're, you're set right? You can get it the next day. Uh, Maybe not so if you're camping in the wilderness. When are you going? If it's a time of heavy travel, well, you'll need to plan to leave well ahead of time. And I think that's true no matter what mode of transportation you take. But that brings me then to how are you traveling? Because that's going to affect what goes on with traveling with baby. Plane, train, bus, car. I don't think anybody does bus anymore, but maybe. Now, if you're going by car, honestly, you can be a pack rat and you can shove everything into your car. If you're traveling by plane, eh, not so much so. You might find that taking your full-size electric pump is, frankly, a big nuisance. How long are you going to be gone? Well, if it's a day trip, that's pretty easy to manage. If it's a two-week or a three-week or a four-week trip, um, yeah, that's going to take a lot more planning and packing. So let's talk about the impact on you and your breastfed baby. And I will suggest to you that a lot of it is going to swirl around kind of four main things. The mode of travel, the shopping, packing, organizing, planning, transporting milk, And then finally, some thorny issues to deal with. All right, so let's start with the impact of the mode of travel. Uh, Depending on how you go, you're going to be making some lists of what to bring and what to do. And along with that, you kind of got to think about your destination, Because where you travel to and what you do will have an impact on how you want to prepare for that trip. So first of all, I'm going to assume that a lot of you are going to go by car. And I really haven't talked very much about traveling by car, at least not on this show. So you can put as many items into the car as you have room for. You can bring the baby's favorite toy, your favorite blanket, or whatever you think will make it easier for your nursing baby or for yourself. Uh, Shucks, you can bring five of everything if you really think you want it on the trip. If it fits in your car, you're set. 
And there are some real advantages to taking a car. For example, you have a lot more control over when you depart. And usually when you arrive, although not always, uh, pretty much you can stop for a feeding or a diaper change when you think it's necessary. Now, sure, there are places you can't pull off the road, but but by and large, you know, it's not like having the seatbelt sign on forever and ever. And you will have easy, easy access to a fresh set of clothes or snacks or whatever you or your baby wants. You don't have to worry about something being stuck in the checked baggage, okay? So, does it matter what time you get to your destination? Well, if it's vacation, maybe not. If it's you've got to go to a visit to your Aunt Lydia's and she's serving dinner at whatever time, well then, yeah, you kind of got to get that figured out. So, I'm going to give you a couple of hints here. You already know that you've got to leave early enough so that you can pull off the road when you need to. You must have a baby in a car seat while the car is moving, and you'll need to allow adequate time to nurse. The amount of time that you build in for this stopping and nursing, it really depends on how old your baby is and how long it takes the baby to nurse. Uh, Very young infants will probably want to nurse every two to three hours, And it's kind of hard to say. I would say most of young babies will probably spend about 15 minutes at a nursing session, give or take a little. But I've seen some that gulp it down faster than that. And I've seen some that kind of linger and dawdle and, you know, takes them longer. Now, here's the other thing you got to keep in mind. Especially for breastfed babies, they will often pass stools when they're nursing So you kind of need to build in a little extra time for diaper changes if you're trying to actually be on time for your arrival. Now, older babies don't nurse as often, and they're often more efficient. Oh, I mean, they are more efficient at suckling. So you're going to have to kind of think about your baby's usual patterns and then build in travel time accordingly. And if you have got a toddler who's still nursing Um, you might be able to do some negotiating with him. He might be willing to wait a little or not. Depends on, depends on your baby. Okay. Now, I do want to give you just a small word of warning here, which is if you're traveling by car, you do run the risk of having the car break down. It doesn't happen very often, but if it does happen, it could be a real problem if you're with a small baby or if it's cold weather and it's an even bigger problem if you're depending on the car for power to power your your uh, pump. So just have a backup plan. Okay, and I'll talk to you a little bit more about that in a minute. Okay, what about the train? I suspect that the option to take the train is one of the most well-kept secrets in the U.S. Now, in Europe, it is my understanding that people frequently depend on the train. Uh, here, not so much so. I will tell you, though, my husband and I have taken the Amtrak many, many times, and we really enjoy it. If you travel by train, there are some distinct advantages that you might not have thought of. For example, you can put your baby to breast anytime you wish. That may not be the case if you're on the plane, and even in the car, you're going to have to stop and pull over at an appropriate uh, spot. 
On the train, there's no fasten seatbelt sign, so with only a few exceptions, you can pretty much, I'd say just pretty much do anything you want to do for yourself or your baby while you're on the train. At least that's been my experience. Unlike the plane, there are no restrictions to what you can bring on board. And heaven knows I've brought a lot of different things on board. If you want your water or your snacks or whatever, just bring them along. It's fine. At least for the trains that I've traveled on, there is a restroom that is a reasonably decent size. Now, it's not like home, okay? But it's not like get claustrophobia like in in the plane. Luckily, I don't have claustrophobia, but they're pretty little, okay? Uh, There's also more room to stash your baby gear than you would ever find on a plane. I find that these days, there's almost no room to put stuff on the plane. All right, so I'm not going to say a whole lot. Well, let me just go back to the train for a minute and say I really love the, the train I think a big disadvantage would be that the train doesn't always go where you want it to go, at least not in a straight shot. I have many times taken the train from Washington, D.C. to New York City or Washington, D.C. to Philadelphia. Uh, I'm certainly going to take the train from Washington, D.C. down to Orlando. You know, you can get on the train, do what you want to do. And in many cases, not all. But in many cases, it would really be hard to drive it any faster than you can just sit your butt on the train and let somebody else uh, do the driving, so to speak. All right. So what about plane? I have done entire podcasts on traveling by plane. I think I got three or four by now. So I don't want to repeat those. However, let me just summarize a few main points. First, it can be difficult or impossible to pump your milk or feed your baby while you are en route. And I distinctly remember one guest that I had on this podcast, I would say probably a couple of years ago, she was looking to just pump her milk before she got on the plane. And that was like this big hairy deal. I'm not saying it can't be done, but I'm saying it might not be as easy as you'd like. Packing. Now, packing gets kind of hairy. You can take only just so much with you, And that's true for what you can take on board, what you can put in your suitcase. And I'd urge you to check out my previous podcasts uh, and also my blog post on this topic. Now, here's what you really got to listen up for. If you are traveling by plane, you are allowed to take your milk on board in a carry-on. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking about the the rules for shampoo and stuff like that. Well, this is not like other liquids. It's not like shampoo or mouthwash or whatever. It does not need to adhere to that 311 rule. You can bring human milk in a reasonable amount, and that's what the TSA rules say. They don't really specify what a reasonable amount is, I would imagine if you're trying to bring a gallon jug, that probably won't work. But they say uh, a reasonable amount. So you need to see the Transportation Safety Authority page on guidelines for traveling with milk. And that's TSA Transportation Safety Authority. You should also see the, the page that they have on traveling with children. 
And you should know whether or not you are uh, kind of plan ahead with those guidelines in terms of whether you are traveling with your infant or child or not. Again, I'm thinking of somebody who her baby was premature. The baby was in the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit. She, however, was going on the plane. So she didn't have the baby with her because the baby was in intensive care, but she needed to pump her milk. And yes, she got hassled. So I am going to just tell you that you need to notify the TSA agent that you're traveling with your milk and you need to remove it from your carry-on. And the regulations say that breast milk is subject to screening, but you may request for it to not be opened and ask that they use an alternative screening method. So you can do that, okay? The real thing here that's really important is you've got to know the rules. And I underline this. Print them out. Print out those rules and carry them with you. And the reason I say that is that I've known moms who have been hassled by the TSA representatives, and the TSA representatives don't know the rules. So save yourself some hassle, print them out, have them. On my carry-on, I have kind of a little outside pocket deal, and you might want to just put them in there. All right, so that kind of brings us to packing. Whether you're on the plane or whether you're in the car or what, babies are going to have to have diapers. I have an interesting story about diapers and Dulles International Airport, but maybe I can save that one. Um, I want to tell you that some babies uh, handle the travel pretty well. Others, uh, not so much so. (laughs) So you want to pack plenty of diapers and wipes and burp cloths just in case. Now, again, this gets a little hairier if you're on the plane because you probably can't take as many as you want, but make sure that you have others in your suitcase. Now, you know that I'm generally a fan of cotton diapers, but if you're traveling with a nursing babies, uh, with a nursing baby, I would say, yeah, you probably want to go with a disposable, all right? Uh, I, I just want to qualify that, though. Some mothers really don't want to use the popular diapers because they're worried about the chemicals and all of that that are in the paper diapers. So there are some options that you could try, for example, and I'm, I am not endorsing these. I'm just saying what I know, what I've heard, and that is you could try something like Pampers Pure. They're hypoallergenic and unscented. But for a more eco-friendly disposable option, you could try the Andy Pandy Biogradable Bamboo Disposable Diapers. Now, those are made from totally chlorine-free fluff pulp and non-woven bamboo fibers that have not been treated with pesticides. So there is a more, uh, I hate to say conventional, but they're, they're not, uh, the Pampers Pure is not, super conventional, but it is not all of those things like the Andy Pandy that have the chlorine-free fluff pulp and the non-woven bamboo fibers and the no pesticides and all of that, okay? So just saying. And and I hope I have represented those products 
correctly. Uh, if not, please let me know. I'm doing the best I can here. Now, if you're traveling, you may already realize that <laughs> if the baby has to eat, what is the simplest what thing to do? Well, the simplest thing to do is just put the baby to breast. It is the least encumbering feeding method. Meanwhile, though, you kind of got to think about some feeding gear. That is, I, I didn't know what else to call it other than just feeding gear. Uh, if you don't want to feed the baby directly at the breast, you may want to pump and feed. So remember that you need to pack bottles, nipples, cups, sippy cups. Depends on what your baby's age is and what your preferences are. Now, by the way, when I did a podcast with Diane Barr, she was not a fan of sippy cups. But you know what? You and your baby may just love them. So I'm not necessarily here to give you any real directives except to just say you got, you've got to do pretty much what that baby is going to accept. So what about snacks? Well, older babies are probably going to need a snack. And I would say finger food like uh, little Cheerios or something eliminate the need for a spoon, but I do want to warn it's messier. So just think about that before you pack. What about snacks for yourself? Well, it's often difficult to get a healthy snack while you're traveling. I know because I have traveled to all 50 states and I'm here to tell you, I can't always get the healthy snack I need. And hundreds of times I've traveled to rural or remote areas. So Pretty much, I just try to vegetables as a snack. Or, you know, here's another one, uh, peanut butter. I'm not a big fan of peanut butter, but uh, it has some staying power, as my mother would say. And I admit that sometimes I end up just buying a snack. All right. You also need to take some water for yourself, especially if you are a nursing mother. A lot of nursing mothers have a... Um, they get very thirsty when they have a letdown. And if you are on a plane, could you ask the attendant for some water? Yes. Will the attendant get it to you when you want it? Maybe not. So you might want to take that little three-ounce bottle of water with you if you really, really feel desperate. On the car trip, no big deal. Okay. Uh, well, you know, it just dawned on me, too. Yeah, you can, you can also... Take, I've got a water bottle, and I do fill up after I've gone through security, but before I've gone through the gate. I don't know that all airports have one of those fancy things like we have at Washington Dulles, but if not, tap water, I'm sure, would do the job. I, I, I'm not big on tap water, but I do use it. Okay, next thing to think about is the cleanup detail before or after you get to your destination. So you need to think in terms of clean clothes, dirty clothes, diapers, outfits, whatever, as well as stuff for the cleanup. And that might be baby wipes, plastic zip bags, hand sanitizer, and any of that. And I don't know if I said so before, but maybe you need to make sure that you have at least a clean top for yourself and some clean clothes for your baby in a place where they are easily accessible. So in your checked luggage or even in your luggage that's in the trunk of your car, 
it's kind of a pain in the neck, all right? You probably just need something that you can quick, quick get in case there is a major mess. Uh, I want to give you a word of warning, though. If you're staying in someone else's home, so probably this is a visit, you might want to go armed with several zippy bags. If your host or hostess has a keen sense of smell, uh, they might really object to dirty diapers going into their trash can without being wrapped or being zipped into a plastic bag. So, Honestly, to be polite, it would probably be best if you just ask them how they prefer for you to dispose of the diapers. But having those plastic bags on hand might bail you out of a, you know, kind of an awkward spot. All right, so before you pack, you're going to need to shop. And I'm going to tell you, shop for those travel things that you might not actually own because you might not have actually had them. All right, so... Some of these things are fairly mundane, things like coolers, ice, extra bottles, etc. You probably have those, but if you don't, just make sure you do, which reminds me, better bring your uh, bottle brush with you, etc. I want to mention baby carriers, because if you're traveling, you probably want to have your hands free. So I'm going to suggest a baby carrier, and I've done two, possibly three shows, I think three shows now, about baby carriers. So I'm going to just kind of recap those for you. There are four different types of carriers. There's the soft, structured carrier, the Mai Tai, the woven wrap, and the sling ring, or some people just call it a sling. And I have interviewed trained baby-wearing consultant Samantha Bennell, and she talks about the basics of baby-wearing. And I also talked at length with Dr. Rosie Knowles, who talked about the benefits of baby-wearing. And believe me, it's more than just hands-free. I would also say to you, if you have two children, you might wonder about having two different types of carriers. One type for the smaller baby, one type for the larger baby. Uh, If you've got two parents, then you've got two carriers. So just keep all of that in mind. Here's the other thing you got to make sure you pack. And that is spare parts, spare batteries, spare whatever. If you are using your pump somewhere on that trip, visit, or vacation. So in theory... You're thinking to yourself, oh, Maria, I got it covered. Yeah, maybe not. I would definitely have at least one extra battery. Again, I'm thinking, oh, but they're just like there's a drugstore right around the corner. I'm good. Well, yeah, if it's raining pitchforks and hammer handles, as my father would say, then maybe I don't want to go out for that. So batteries. But I also want to warn you about some of those parts that come in your accessory kit, it would be really handy to have another whole accessory kit. But if you don't want to do that for whatever reason, I would strongly recommend that you have an extra one of those little membrane gizmos. You know what I mean. It's that little, uh, it's that little thing. And it's got kind of a bumpy side on one side and it's about as big as Oh, I'm looking at my fingernail. It's about as big as my fingernail. 
I want to warn you that if you lose that thing or if it goes down the drain or it's in the bottom of your suitcase or whatever, if you have the pump that I think you have, your pump is not going to work without that little membrane, okay? So pack an extra one. They're not all that expensive. Just be prepared. All right. Some other things that you're going to want to pack. Oh, you might want to pack teething rings or favorite toys or whatever. Uh, babies are often fussy when they're traveling, so any of those things would probably be helpful. And that brings me to transporting and thawing your milk. Honestly, I get oh, just gobs and gobs of questions on transporting and thawing milk. Okay, so you probably know that the best place to transport and and contain your milk is inside your body, okay? But if you're not doing that, then let's talk about some forms of storage. Um, some moms will say, well, I don't really have any bottles because my baby never would take milk from the bottle. So do I have to buy one now? No, actually, probably not. If you wish, you could just put your milk into a clean jelly jar or something like that. Now, we're talking here that you have a healthy baby, right? We're not talking about a compromised baby. I, I wouldn't worry, worry about it. I would just use a jar that is clean. And I have always been taught that a clean jar is what's clean enough for an adult to drink out of. And that's clean. So for many of us, that means that the jar or whatever it is came out of the dishwasher. People express their milk and then they worry about taking it home because they don't know how long the milk will keep. I do not have an exact answer to that. And I'm fairly sure that this question will keep scientists busy for the next decade or so. If you check 10 different sources, you're going to get about 10 different answers. However, and I have this on the best authority from Dr. Ann Eglish, who also was on this show a couple of years ago, and she said, and I know she is right, that there is no study that suggests that milk, quote, expires, unquote, if it is properly stored. Now, you're not going to do something dumb, right? You're not going to put it in the refrigerator and leave it for six months in the refrigerator. You would not do that. But if you've got it in the freezer, how long it will last there, you know, we kind of don't know. So uh, the time that milk is best is fresh, but that may not be a possibility for you. So I'm just going to tell you that ideally, you want to store it for a smaller amount of time and you want to have it not exposed to high heat or high temperature. After that, the discussion gets a lot hairier. All right. And you know, of course, as usual, this show is not medical advice. It's just information. But I'm fairly sure I stand on really good ground with that. Okay. So what about refrigeration or cooling? So remember that the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine says that milk can stay at room temperature for a few hours, okay? And I often think that this is the best kept secret on the planet. 
everyone just assumes that the milk must immediately and continually be chilled. But the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine doesn't really say that. Here's what they say. They say that milk can be stored optimally for four hours. But it's acceptable to store milk at room temperature for six to eight hours under very clean conditions. I do want to say, though, that the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine doesn't really define what optimally is. And they don't describe what very clean conditions are. So I, I would be a little reluctant, but I would say this. Depending on the length of your trip, you might not even need to worry about keeping the milk cold, all right, as in chilled. If you're on a longer trip or if you can't keep the milk chilled for the entire trip, honestly, it might be just fine. Again, use some common sense, and I would definitely say go to the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. They are, oh, i got to pull this out of my brain here. Um, uh, They are at bfmed.org, and I will repeat that. That's bfmed.org, B like boy, F like Frank, org, uh, uh, bfmed, M-E-D, bfmed.org. And you will see that they have the protocols listed there. And, of course, there's one for storing milk. And that's what I'm talking to you about. All right. So how can you keep the milk cold or frozen? Well, I'm going to give you some suggestions. First of all, a cooler of some kind. And there are all makes and models out there. Hard side, soft side, small or large, shoulder straps, on wheels, you name it, they sell it. I've probably got it. (laughs) All right. But uh, I have to tell you that I have got a member of my uh, team that raves about the RTIC soft pack. And it comes in a variety of sizes to fit any trip length. Ice packs. Next thing. And I don't even know if you're supposed to call them ice packs because... What I mean are those things that are filled with gel. I've used these for years. And the my favorite one is actually uh, the Comfort Gel Pack. It's larger. And so if it's larger, it just stays cold longer. That's the big advantage there. But on the other hand, you know, I've used some small ones, too, to put in small spaces. There's also the Cooler Shock packs and these are frequently used by nursing moms they're a little bit less expensive than the comfort gel packs but uh, I do want to warn you they've got some upsides and downsides you got to choose what works best for you now here's the thing you might want to just go play full out here and get a portable refrigerator if you travel often by car The portable refrigerator is an option. I've heard that lots of military moms use these when they move across the country, as well as working moms who spend their day in their cars. So if if you really feel like you're uneasy about how long your milk is going to stay cold and you're really going a long way, well, then there you go. I would, however, say try to avoid regular ice when you're traveling with your milk, because science has shown that the ice cubes uh, 
begin to melt and then it doesn't keep the milk as cold. All right. I have read gobs of these studies pretty much since the 70s. And I'm going to tell you that all of these studies are fairly small and not always well designed. So I think it's going to be a long time before we get some really good conclusions. You know, people say to me, so Marie, what's the real answer here? <laughs> the real answer is we probably don't know the real answer. But um, there are certainly just some good guidelines. And again, I would refer you to the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. I think they're the best ones out there. But it all depends on what you're looking at. In the old days, meaning the old, old days, the only thing we looked at was, well, is the milk going to go sour? Well, now there's a lot of other things that we understand. Uh, what about the immunoglobulins? What about the antioxidants? What about the, you see what I'm saying? There's more than one factor that to consider. So that's kind of my song and dance on uh, traveling with your milk. Okay, so finally, I want to look at what I guess I might sort of call the planning and the hassle issues, and that is, what happens if you don't have easy access to running water? Well, that could be a short-term thing if you're stuck on a plane. And by the way, that as far as I know, that water is not potable that comes out of the, like you go to the restroom and you... You push the handle down. I don't think you can drink that. I think that's just for washing. But it could be days uh, that you're going without water if you are maybe in a remote area or something. So here are a few things to remember. Pretty much bring water with you if you can and know how you're going to get access to water. Washing your hands is best accomplished with soap and water, with running water, with lather, okay, whether you're nursing your baby or hand expressing or using a pump or whatever. If you can't do that, the hand sanitizer does okay for your hands, but it's probably not going to help with much else. Water will enable you to rinse your pump parts, even if you can't wash them. And alternatively, by the way, you could just have a whole new set. I think I mentioned that some people get thirsty, so you might want to have some water for yourself when you have your letdown, that's, some women experience that more so than others, okay? Uh, next thing is, how do you keep yourself clean and dry and maybe covered? Well, let's go back to the, the clean and the hand sanitizer again. Um, I'm a little less than enthused about hand sanitizers, but I will tell you that if you're going to buy hand sanitizer, you want one that either meets or exceeds the CDC's recommendation for the alcohol content. And you might also want to shop for something that has no parabens, no phthalates, it's cruelty-free, and more, 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 more. So I think maybe my real message to you here is shop for it before you just buy it. Now, I think I mentioned this, but maybe not. You're going to want to bring an extra top for yourself, maybe two, in case your baby spits up on you, because sometimes that spit up is like a little bit more spit up than what you wanted, because he wouldn't necessarily do that at home, but might do that while traveling, okay? So make sure that you have easy access to a change of clothing for yourself and your baby. 
Now, also, think about where you're going and who you plan to see. You might want to cover up from time to time. Um, I'm thinking you don't want to offend Uncle Harold, okay? Or you don't want to look like you're a soggy mess for a meeting with your new boss if you're on a business trip. So things like nursing pads, cover-ups will help you uh, choose your clothing carefully. For instance, you might want to have a flowered top or a print fabric rather than a plain fabric if you tend to leak milk. Some people do. Uh, Nursing in front of other people. Oh, man, here you go. Well, you could certainly go old school with a blanket or a shawl that you already own. Or you could buy one of the hundreds of cover-ups that are out there. They're like a gajillion these days. Uh, So just make sure that you've got whatever you need for the situation that you're going to be in. Now, let's say you're going to a wedding or you're going to a party and you're wondering how to prevent leaking when you've got on one of those you know, kind of sexy little dresses. Well, there you might want to have a product like the lily pads. Uh, They're pretty much invisible, and uh, they really do the job if you've got on something that is, you know, a cute little sexy little dress. All right. So what about if you don't have access to electrical power? Now, if you're on a road trip, you might be saying to yourself, oh, yeah, we can just stop somewhere. Or, oh, no problem, I can just plug plug my pump into my car's USB port or auxiliary power outlet to charge. Yeah, (laughs) trust me, I'm the voice of experience telling you that might not be possible. We're still, if your car lands in the shop for whatever reason, you might find yourself without power if if you were relying on your car. All right. So two alternatives. First of all, I always suggest that people buy a fairly cheap, fairly lightweight manual pump. I get it. You don't want it for everyday use. I I, I get that. All right. But they're very, they're great for travel. They're lightweight. And I would pick one that has only like two pieces because then they're really easy to clean. And oh, by the way, when you're through traveling, you can take it to your office as kind of a backup for, you know, for a backup. You forgot your big pump or whatever, okay? Or you could just learn to hand express. Your hands are always with you, and that's another way to go. Now, since we're talking about pumps, I want to warn you that you need to think about um, what you're going to do if you're at Aunt Mildred's house for the weekend, Okay. We're thinking about here a, uh, a visit. Or, I don't know, maybe you're on a business trip and you can't put your accessory kit items through the dishwasher because you're in a hotel. Okay, no problem. You can get those little bags that allow you to sterilize your parts in the microwave. But I do want to give you a word of caution. Use these things very carefully, exactly, exactly as the directions tell you to, because otherwise you could end up with a thing that <laughs> that resembles a potato chip, okay? You can cook your pump parts and, well, at least the accessory parts, and you don't want to do that, okay? I'm especially thinking of those little membrane things that I mentioned earlier, And honestly, again, I'm inclined to warn you, always make sure you have an extra one on hand because if you have this thing destroyed because you weren't paying attention and you didn't do, 
they should be just fine if you follow the directions. But if you're not paying attention, you may find yourself minus minus the thing, okay? So just be careful. Always have an extra one and watch what you're doing. And then finally, there's what I guess I would call the interpersonal dynamics. Yep, be prepared for comments or dirty looks that you'd really rather not deal with. And try to just brace yourself ahead of time. Now, maybe you're at a busy airport and you've got a baby who just won't settle down enough to nurse, even though nursing would probably be comforting to the baby. Meanwhile, you get mean looks from strangers and you don't know what to say or what to do or where to look. Uh, The best advice that I have for you is try to sit down, close your eyes, take some really deep breaths, and see if you can listen to some of those soothing sounds that are on your smartphone. Remember, if you are anxious, your baby will be anxious. And try to pull yourself together and remind yourself, this too will pass. Or maybe you're at your in-law's dinner table and somebody openly criticizes you for nursing your toddler. Oh, I could talk a lot about this. But for right now, let me just tell you, this is the key. Don't take the bait This is so hard for me because I always want to defend myself. I want to be logical. I want to say this is my baby and my body and I'll yin, 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 yin. That's not going to work, okay? Just don't take the bait because it will escalate in almost all cases. So none of this is easy, but if you just try to think through how you're going to deal with it when it happens, because it probably will, um, you're probably going to have a leg up. All right, so that's all I have for you today on traveling with your breastfed baby. I would like to remind you that I will be giving my uh, 90-hour lactation course in Orlando in March. Registration is now opened. And also, I would say to you, if that doesn't work for you and you want to do an all-online course, I have my 90-hour all-online course at mariebiancuso.com. That's MarieBiancuzo, M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O.com. Even if you spell it kind of half right, Google will get you there. (laughs) And it's my 90-hour course. I'm Marie Biancuzo. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.